Welcome everyone to the podcast after an interesting weekend of MotoGP racing and some Supercross. And this one is presented by Bike911.com. Need some legal advice? Head on over to that website, Bike911.com. Alex Asante is your boy, motorcycle friendly guy, former racer, rider. He'll handle it for you. So welcome in Jason Pridmore to the podcast. Hey, JP. What's up? What's up, G-Dub? Had to get Alex that music turned down as quickly as possible. Alex, yeah, because you don't want that running want through my voice. Yeah, Yelling uh, at me again. Alex's kids are killing it on mountain bikes, too. It's so crazy. Oh, they're it's racing like, mountain yeah. bikes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. They're racing mountain bikes. And yeah, I get pictures and all kinds of cool stuff. So, yeah, yeah pretty so go cool. check him out. All right, look, we're going to talk about MotoGP Mandalika. We're going to talk about Supercross Indy. We're going to talk about some fantasy we're going to talk about Arai News. If you want to support the channel, go to patreon.com slash Greg's Garage TV. Also, there's a link in the description to the podcast. You can click on that. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you want. But before we do any of that, Jason, let's find out how you're doing. Big weekend for you? Man, it home? was nice. It was great being home. Mom already split. She's on her way up to the casino. You know her. She's uh, gone. Man. She's finally starting to feel better. She was sick for a month. So she's laughing and on her way. And then uh, today... Yeah, I've just got to, as soon as we get done doing this, I'm packing. I'm heading out to Chuck Walla for the rest of the week. Go out there for, I think it's round five. I think they're two rounds from the end. or I don't know if it's two rounds or one round. I got to check it. But what are we in, uh, March? Do they go in April? Yeah. I don't think they race in May. I don't think they race in no, May. No, no. So May, April's May the last month. Out there. May definitely gets too hot. This time last year, you and I were riding, if you remember. I think it was March of of last year when you and I did our, when we rode out there. Yes. So, yeah, I'm going out there for that this weekend. Um, and then, uh, man, and then, and then Greg, and then it's like our season's on at that point. I mean, I know we just got back from Daytona, but it was nice having a week at home. So I'll go to CVMA and uh, enjoy my time. And then I got a weekend home, and then we're off to Coda, and then it really, like, starts kicking off from that point on. Like, it's... I spent the weekend in Louisville, Kentucky at the NFA Indoor National Archery Tournament where I shot one day and... Decided not to shoot the second day because day one wasn't great. It wasn't like it, it wasn't was a good. disaster, Jason. It just wasn't great. Plus, I was working. I yep. was commentating. So I commentated uh, Thursday night and Saturday night for two different organizations. One USA, USA Archery and one NFA. But anyway, it was a good time. I drove, which so I spent like over 15 or 16 hours in the car. Oh, God. Yeah, are you guys going this weekend? What's going on this weekend? Yeah. No, I'm home this weekend. I'm just... nice. Because I leave next week, next Wednesday, to go to Phoenix. And I'm in Phoenix from like Wednesday to Monday because we have the first round of the USA Archery uh, Outdoor Championships. Like the, they're called USATs. And, um, you know, it's kind of the kickoff to the outdoor season and all this kind of stuff. So I'm going to be out there shooting that. So all I'm doing all week long is just at the range, training, shooting. Hey, Jay, can I get a can I get a little plug for an archery sponsor in here, you think? I, wow. It's, it is your podcast. I, you probably could. Oh, all right. Well... Uh, hey, listen, on the archery front, I just want to say thank you to Athletic Brewing Company, a non-alcoholic beer company. You know, they do like, um, we call them craft beers. You know, Jason, I'm not much of a You're drinker. You're a big drinker, g You're a big drinker. <laughs> yeah, but this non-alcoholic stuff, and, um, you know, so they're going to be title sponsor for my archery this year, so I want to thank Athletic Brewing Company. Uh, I'll put a link in the description if you're interested. I know there's, uh, it's amazing, Jason, when you, it, it's kind of like if, if you are interested in a car or you buy a car or you get a car and then all of a sudden on the road you like notice all the that's yeah. the car yes 
it's like that. I have run into so many people that I know that are love be- the taste of beer, but they're like non-drinkers now, you know, because yeah. of whatever yeah. in life. And yeah. apparently this stuff, Athletic Brewing Company crushes it. Like they've oh, won great. all kinds of awards and the taste is great. And I'm holding one in my hand. It's it's called All Out. It's like an extra dark. I don't know what that means, but, you know, they're all like uh, craft beers, I guess. And and a couple people, you know, Mark Paul has bought some and, and he's just like, dude, this stuff's great. I know some beer snobs and they're big fans. So Anyway, I just want to thank everybody for that. So if you see me post on social media, do me a favor, give it a like, because it, it helps the effort. But it's all for archery, and yep. um, it's kind of cool to have them on board. And so I have jerseys, you know, with the Athletic Brewing Company on there and stuff, and so it's great. It's going to be pretty cool. But anyway, all right, Jay, why don't we just get right into it? Let's do it, man. Yeah, been, let's do it. There's, there's some news. There's been some got breaking some news, news and all that. Yeah. yeah, we got some good news. So let's go to our news presented by R.I. So... Let's see. What am I going to do today? Hey, how about the Pro Shade system? It's Arai's answer to the internal sunshade by having an external drop-down sunshade as opposed to one that's positioned internally between the shell and the EPS liner. Impact absorption performance is not diminished. Maximum EPS thickness is retained across the front and the sides of the head where an internal drop-down lens and its pivot mechanism would be located, allowing optimal rider protection. Also, it allows Arai to keep their Snell rating. So another reason to go check out AriAmericas.com for more information. All right. Thank you, of course, to Ari. And if you play our MotoGP Fantasy, you could be winning yourself an Ari helmet. All right. Here we go. Oh, yeah. And that, don't forget, Jason, you've got to go to Europe at some point and get that Ari baseball hat signed by Johnny Ray for the winner of the that Patreon podcast thingy that we're doing, too. Or, I mean, uh, <sighs> Fantasy that we're doing. Yeah, he All might right, win so. it, which could that would be painful. Oh, is he? All right. Anyway, he's in like the news, fourth. Look, we got. Yeah, well, I'll look it up in a minute. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He's we'll like look fourth. it up in a second. But um, so in the news, Moto America leads the way. A press release came out Wednesday of last week. Jason, another two full blown superbikes are added to the grid. It's the Titlers Cycle Racing on Alpha Built BMW M1000RRs with Hector Barbara and PJ Jacobson as pilots. But wait, Jay, there's more. The team will also have a Stock 1000 program run by Richie Alexander and the Ride HVMC squad. The racers, Corey Alexander, Travis Wyman, and newcomer Zach Schumacher. Shoemaker? Schumacher. What are your thoughts about that team? The overall picture? I know you've known about it for a while because you're an inside expert, as it it's were. Good. It's really good for the footprint of our paddock. I mean, it's nice that we're going to have essentially a new team. Losing Kyle and that, and that Superbike program with Kyle... Um, you know this is going to make up because we got we're going to have two semis in the in the paddock. Um, obviously, right HVMC and Richie, Corey, they all had theirs last year. They'll be back. Um, they were out testing for four days last week to get up to speed a little bit. They were out at Chuckwalla. I know Travis flew in from Daytona a couple days later on the stock thousand bikes or the, on the stock full- thousand bikes. Yep, stock thousand team. Uh, the other team I think is back in Florida I, um, where they're basing. So they're going to go testing. I, th- I think there's some rumors of them testing um, in Texas or somewhere like that. So some of their stuff is taken. Obviously, Greg, you know what it's like getting a new team together, a new project, new bikes, new everything. It takes a little while. Yeah, Dave Weaver's running that program, and I do not feel, or I feel for Dave Weaver. He's got a lot of stuff to contend with. I mean, just finding great personnel, too, to work on the bikes it's late in the game is a toughie. Tough one. Um, so what do I think about it? I think it's great. Zach Schumacher's a really nice guy. I met him at, at um, Road America last year. He's good friends with Dougie, uh, our Doug, and so um, anyway, so he he introduced us, and 
Zach's a super cool kid who I think will learn a lot this year, having, you know, Corey and Travis as teammates. He'll learn a lot from those guys. Now, Superbike side of things, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna take a little while for those guys to get up to speed in the sense that new project, new bike, like stuff's still coming together. And what are we, three weeks from Coda? Two and a half, three weeks, something like that. So I think yeah. for those guys, Coda is I mean, even though it's 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 the starting point for our Superbike Championship, Coda is going to more or less be a a testing session, I think, for them, um, gathering as much information. It'll be nice to see PJ back in the paddock as a rider. Um, we haven't seen him race now for a couple of years, so PJ's back. And I, you know, when you look at Hector Barbara, you know, I, I he earned this. You know, I think that. Coming from that older model bike that he was riding with Shibe, Um, and I know you got some news coming up on that as well. Um, but it looks like, you know, Hector's going to be on a newer, better bike. And BMW as a whole is making a huge push, aren't they? I mean, they're making a big push overseas. They're they have a, a major footprint in the British paddock. Our paddock now is going to we're going to see a lot of BMWs. I saw Nolan Lampkin's going to be on a BMW too. It's going to be a lot of guys on BMWs. More than we've seen. And and they've made a big effort in the club race scene as well. So BMW is really pushing this bike. It's a tremendous motorcycle. I've ridden it. It's a really, really nice bike. Um, and so it's it's great for our series that we're going to have, you know, you know a couple guys back in the... We, we lose Kyle in Superbike. We kind of gain PJ because we get PJ back into the paddock. So we're, we're, we're you know, at least our, our field won't be getting skimmed. On the Alpha side... Pretty sure Alpha is the company contracted by BMW to do like the World Endurance, like kind of official bikes, but they're not the official World Superbike bikes. But they are unbelievable, like a build, and it's it's they're open, they're a customer bike. Like anybody can go order one from Alpha if you have the dough, right? So uh, that that'll be really good to see the development and and get inside that team and talk to Dave Weaver and find out exactly if there's input from the States to alpha, or if you just kind of get what you get and then you can develop the bike beyond that. I, I you know, there's, there's so many questions to be answered there, but Jay, you mentioned Shiby racing and you know, there was a time there a few months ago where Shiby put everything up for sale and then he took it down. So I had automatically thought he sold his stuff, but apparently he didn't. And now he's coming back to Moto America where we didn't think he would. And he's bringing along Ashton Yates, the 24 year old. So it's still that 2016 BMW, but keep in mind that at multiple Moto America events last year with Hector Barber on board that Shibe's bike was setting the, the fastest trap speeds. Now, that, that doesn't mean you're getting around the racetrack fast, but it, it means that the motor at least has some legs. So for Shibe, he's he's continuing to, uh, you know, to race with Ashton Yates. What do you think about Ashton now on a, on a super bike? Well, Ashton's capable. I mean, he's a very, very good rider. Felt like he kind of had a good program last year going, and you could see his kind of loyalty to Honda, and maybe never nothing ever materialized. Now that said, um, and I don't know if you know this more than I do, but in the press release or whatever you might have read about Ashton coming and riding for Shiby, did it actually say he's back on that old bike, or do we think that maybe Shiby sold some stuff and got a new bike? Do we know? Uh, yeah, I made a phone call. He's on the old stuff. Okay, got it. All right, I just wasn't sure, so it's good that you. You did that. So for Ashton, you know, it was probably one of those things where he thought he might have had something going with Honda. And um, it doesn't look like that's the case. Because I think Jeff May's got a couple things going with Honda. That's what brought Jeff back into the paddock. He's riding a stock thousand bike and a super bike, I believe. Um, so 
Uh, it, you know, it looks like Ashton, for whatever reason, didn't the Honda thing didn't work out, and this thing with Shivey, you know, probably along with with Aaron, right? Aaron and and Lucky will probably get involved somehow, I would think, and collaborate the the program. So till we get to Texas and kind of see how that works, we won't really know, right? But that's what it, that's kind of what I think would happen. Let me add something here because we're in Moto America. I did talk to Richard Stamboli yesterday, and he told me that Wednesday and Thursday this week that. He and his team will be heading off to Buttonwillow to do some more testing on the superbikes. It's you know they, it's a favorite track of his. We we talked pretty extensively about why Buttonwillow really works for you know his team and stuff. But what was interesting, Jason, was I was asking about Cameron Peterson and his progression on the bike, and and he said, Cameron Peterson is really fast." And yeah. I said, "Is he Jake Gagne fast?" And he said, "He's not Jake Gagne fast right now, but Cameron Peterson is already having a better preseason." Then Jake Gagne had his first year on the fresh and lean attack, whatever the, you know, whatever the bike was. Right. And so that kind of puts some perspective in it because, you know, Richard's got a, a lot of confidence in Cameron Peterson. Keep in mind that Stamboli is the team owner, but he's also the crew chief for Cam Peterson, where you have John uh, Corndog is uh, the crew chief for Gagne. So, you know, when you look at it that way, you're like, oh, boy. You know, but Matthew yeah. Skultz is said to have made a step. We have these new alpha bikes coming in. You know, obviously we have uh, Danilo Petrucci coming in. <laughs> like it's 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 filling up. I mean, the superbike grid is filling up with a lot of a lot of good equipment and everything else. So hopefully we'll talk to uh, Richard next week and find out what happened at Button Willow, or he won't talk to us. But moving on to uh, let's see, let's go to some World Superbike stuff because last week, right before the podcast, we told you, or as the podcast was happening the two days after that, there were a bunch of fast guys testing at Mizano. When it was all said and done, it was Alvaro Bautista, who's back on the Aruba.it Ducati. He set the fastest time, Dave, 133.574. Coming in second and doing 78 laps was American Garrett Gerloff on the GRT Yamaha. He was only a tenth behind Bautista at a 33.6. So that was a great job by him. Uh, also in attendance was like Scott Redding and Loris Baz on BMWs. Uh, Lucas Mayas was there, Michael Rubin Rinaldi, and a few more. So again, Jason, whether it's Top Rack Razgat Lioglu, or who's obviously a championship favorite along with Johnny Ray, and Bautista's a championship favorite, Gerloff, in terms of speed, is right in the mix. Yeah, well, I expect, and I'm hoping, you know, I think that a lot of the stuff that Garrett had to get over from last year is mental. It's just a mental block. It's a mental thing that he's got to do, and... I think every athlete in whatever realm of sport that they have always will have that. Garrett looks like he's hungry, he's ready, he's fit. He's going to be there. I mean, he's going to be there this year, I think. And I think there's going to be a few guys that are going to be able to jump up there with Johnny and Top Rack and and Batista. Um, I man, I am excited for World Superbike. I when's their first race, Judd? When are they? Are they April? You know, it's funny you say that because I was like just getting ready to click on so it. And I check caught it out, you. So. so yeah. But I think yeah. Garrett, if Garrett can just get get back to racing and like he knows how to race and um, have some of that controlled aggression, you know, like let's get up there, let's race with these guys, let's let these races play out, let's see what's going on, and then we can kind of go from there, you know. Um, April eighth through the tenth is when we get to hear our boy Steve English yakety yak on the microphony thingy. Yeah. So that is the same weekend as MotoGP Austin. That's exactly so they are right. boning us. The World and, Superbike calendar and where they, is boning where they us at? shitless. Where are they at? They're at Aragon. 
They're at Aragon ah. April 10th and 11th during, during MotoGP, and their second round is uh, the Motul Atlanta. Dutch. Isn't it the same weekend as us in Atlanta? Same weekend as Atlanta. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So, good job. And then their third round is the same weekend as our VIR. As VIR, <laughs> yeah. Yep. At Estoril. At Estoril, yeah. Yeah. It's just brutal, yeah. huh? So then World Superbike goes to, yeah, they go to Italy, they go to UK, they're going to Czech, France, they go to Catalonia, they go Portuguese, Argentina, yeah, no, it's good. It's Indonesia, good. and then the Australian one's the only one right now, round 12, that's kind of that's kind of up in the air for them, but... Everything you know. in Australia right. is up in the air. Last bit of news, but, Jason, yeah. it's a rough one. I mean, seriously, if you're a Mark Marquez fan, if you saw morning warm-up, Marquez, I mean, he flew high... Hit his head, had another concussion for him. On his way home, he started to have another bout of the uh, diplopia, which basically means that his vision is jacked. Now, he said on social media, JP, that it's not as bad as what had happened during the offseason that kind of put him back in training and threatened. Uh, I don't know. Did he miss one test? Or I think he made all the tests, but... I think he missed so, one, didn't he? I thought he, he missed something. He missed the first but, one, maybe, and then he yeah. recovered or whatever. But it's bad, listen, dude. During that time, I remember reading a bit about this diplopia, and you know, all accounts that I read, and I am absolutely no medical doctor, a love doctor, but no medical doctor. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's not paying attention. Yeah. I, I can I'm, see I'm, Jason right now, and he's on his phone. So I'm just I'm, making jokes I, I that got are you. spot on, mm-hmm. that are dead nuts spot on. So funny, but you know, they get no laughs. So hopefully. Out there in podcast land, you gave a chuckle to that one. Nonetheless, the stuff that I've read about it, JP, yeah. says that it only gets worse from here. That it's just it's going to progressively yeah. get worse. You can't see how something like that can get better, can it? I mean, how can something like that get better? I got to think every time you... Dude, I cannot believe how big that is. And we'll get into it when we talk about MotoGP in a minute. But, man, those... And I and I, I daren't say that I... I I'm assuming... I know you've had a couple of crashes and high sides, but I don't think you've ever had an off-throttle high side. And I was trying to think back of whenever I had, and I could only think of one, uh, maybe because I hit my head so many times I couldn't remember any of the other ones. But Now, when this- you mean off-throttle high side, explain it, because I've actually o- I've only had one high side, Jay, and it was off-throttle, but mine was no front brakes. I got on the rear brake on a oh, cold and tire, and it, it yeah. launched me. To, you know okay. what I mean? Like it wasn't... Well, well, so mine explain was the same. Mine was the same. Mine was off throttle, no brakes. And I just kept tipping the bike in, waiting to, for the front to go, waiting and waiting and waiting. But I just came out of the pits and they had put a brand new rear tire on. And so as I was tipping in, I kept waiting for the front to go. And I'm like, I'm going 40 mile an hour too quick for the apex, of this, 60 mile an hour too quick for the apex in this corner, waiting for the front to go. And I got to such a lean angle and I'm like, God, it's gotta go, it's gotta go, it's gotta go. Then the rear snapped around and high sided me. At oh. Brno. And oh, at Brno. At Brno, yeah. And mine, was, and mine was turn one at Road Atlanta. That's right on that Buell. I remember. Buell, yeah. Yeah. So so basically, if you listen to Marquez's throttle on his onboard, he's going through those fast rights, and he's kind of just let off the gas, tipping into the, the fast one. He's like kind of modulating throttle, but it's not like the thing is screwed on, and the thing snaps around on him, and that's... People, you know, I saw comments, why didn't TC control that? Well, it didn't control it because he was off throttle. Yes. And he was modulating, and that's why that's why the thing snapped around on him as violently as it did. And, dude, I, man, I, you know, I, I'm sure, I don't know how you were. You were probably working or, or um, at your tournament there, but 
I was watching it live. Actually, it would have been really late for you. I was watching. Yeah, it live. yeah, yeah. I was. It was. You were yeah, in bed. Some, some, it was something um, o'clock in the morning, and I was sleeping. Yeah, you were. I was watching it live, and I'm like, well, that's. You got to think with each one of these things. Like I'm sitting there and I'm putting myself in his position, which I could never do. But I'm like, okay, I've won eight world championships, nine, whatever it is, and it's like. It keeps you're on 20, doing. You're now, 29 now, years old, right? Yeah, you can 29. literally retire, and never have to do another thing in your life if you want. Um, you know, and and to be fair, I don't think the Honda's that bad. We'll get into some of this when we get into MotoGP, but you just got to feel for the guy. You got to just think it's yeah. I mean, it's just it's horrendous, isn't it? So let's jump into it, GW. Let's jump into this this Grand Prix that we just had at Manalika. I'm very curious to get some of your insight or your ideas or thoughts. We haven't talked about that much um, as far as the race weekend goes. Greg and I usually do a pretty good job of leaving what we want to talk about to the podcast. Um, this week, it was really interesting because as we saw with World Superbike, uh, Mandalika poses some threats when it comes to weather. Very tropical, it seems, out there. And when it rains, it doesn't just rain. It absolutely monsoons. Um, all the way to lead up into this race, Greg, I think the concern was over the racetrack and the where they did some big repaving, that looked okay. And I want to talk a little bit about the track itself real quick before we get into the Grand Prix because I don't know about you, Gita, but when I watched it from World Superbike perspective, you know how like when you and I will talk about racetracks, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'd like to ride there. Oh my gosh, I want to do that. Mandalika was a track that I looked at and I went, I just don't have any desire to ride the place. Like it doesn't look like, like the area that it's in, check, Got to go there. would love to see it. It seems like the people there are incredible from every bit of social media that you saw. The Indonesian people are so into it and so friendly and so kind and so nice. But to me, the track doesn't look fun. It looks very one-lined. It looks like the kind of track that, to be honest, is better in the wet than it is in the dry. Offline, the grip is shit because... There's only so many places that you can ride on that track. If you watch it in the dry, you can see where all the rubber's getting laid down, and you can't really go off of that because if you go off of that, it, the track surface is very compromised. You know what I thought it looked like, Jason? A blue groove on a dirt track. Yeah, yeah. You know where, where it's like you know, and and they had dirt track in Dallas. We're going to talk about that next week. But if when you see that broadcast, if you ever see it. Um, you'll be like, is, is, if you get off of that blue groove, you, it, your race was completely over. You're host. And that's kind of what it looked like at Mandalika. So I agree with you on that 100%. The track, <clears throat> the track to me is more raceable in the in the wet than it is in the dry because at least then the surface gets washed off, cleaned off. And the, the, the way the rain comes down at that place, it comes down so hard that it does clean the surface of the track. So I sit there and I watch that track and... I contacted a few people that have ridden there and, 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 and that kind of thing. And I kind of said, like, what do you think of the place? And when you look at the kind of accident that even Mark has had, it's a very strange accident that we don't see very often. It's the kind of thing that you don't see. Um, and I know that the Hondas and the Suzukis were struggling with the Michelin tire at that specific track. Um, so when you look at stuff, it's like, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I'm going to ask you because you and I haven't talked about it. But what do you think of the track at Mandalika? What did you? What's your overall impression of it? Well, I mean, you know how, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's. There's just nothing like. 
I'm I'm exactly the same way you are. Listening to all the people on social media talk about the people, obviously the surroundings, the Correct. island, all that kind of stuff. But there's nothing that I saw on that track that would lead me to believe like, wow, that's a unique characteristic or that's really different. Mm-hmm. I really want to go give that a try. Right. There's there you know, there's nothing like that. So for me the track itself was kind of like, meh, the story of the weekend wasn't so much the track, it was that they got it done. And I've 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 uh done a deeper dive into like what happened with the track, how close they were. Dude, they were within days of having that that race canceled yep. because it was such a struggle to find like just paving equipment and people to do it. And you know, it's an island, you know, it's it's crazy. And those guys crushed it to get the track better. They did. They trust they Yeah, they did. They made but it better. Now, but they have to repave the entire track. I believe they're gonna try to repave the entire track before World Superbike gets there at the end of the season. Yeah, and okay. now and, I will tell I will tell you why real quick. All right, so yeah, it's, it's yeah. really inconsequential, but I'll just tell you why. So, so basically, um, when you when you make an asphalt mix, there's there's different components to it, and one of one of the big components is the aggregate that they use, the stones that they use, and ultimately when they paved it first, the stones were out of spec and they weren't inspected properly. So, being that the stones were too out of spec and larger, yep. they were they were the GP bikes uh, were spitting stones up. And that's why, if you remember at the test, people were getting pelted with rocks. They were having bruises. They were going through radiators. They were breaking windscreens. There was even a rider who broke a face shield on their helmet because they took a rock, okay? Yeah. So that was it. So basically what happened was the FIM went in there and they said, nope, we're not having this race. It's too dangerous. It's, you know, it's just dangerous. It's hurting people. So they said, okay, well, these are the dangerous areas. We can get it repaved. And in reading the, the story that I read um, that interviewed the guy who designed the track and everything else. Uh, it, it was very interesting and very, very difficult to do. So they put a rubber band or, or bandaid on it. Sorry. Yep. Rubber they put a rubber band on it. Yeah. yeah, they sure did. They put a bandaid <laughs> on a rubber band and it worked for the yeah. most part. You know, if you, if you hear there were still at least, I know at least one rider took a rock in the radiator that put him out of a practice session or a qualifying session or whatever in the MotoGP class I can't remember who it was. It was one of the the satellite Ducatis, but so so a little bit better on that front. I agree with you. If you can use all that racetrack, it's great. It was much more raceable in the rain. There were more line options. There were some areas where there's standing water. I think that needs to be addressed in a couple of really critical key corners. Like early on, you have that right left like real flick quick transition. Yeah. Yep. Alex Rins got caught out there a couple times, kind of like so you flick it back and you're in the standing water bit, and now you can't get the drive that you want to get because you're like Ugh, holding your breath yep. because it's kind of deep water. So I, I think the same thing. I think the track was meh. You know, and yeah, I just think it is kind of mad. I don't, I'm, I'm, I, it's, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you want to see it as a mainstay. Some of the other problems that look like they had, they talked about how much people just could hardly wait to get there, uh, have the riders get there. I mean, they were treated like absolute rock stars the whole time. But then the, like, maybe the economy wise, the, the ticket prices were so high, a lot of people couldn't couldn't afford to go oh so, no i didn't read any of that oh, that's yeah strange. so like it so they were talking about you know it not being as packed as it could be you know they're all the people in indonesia that were just dying to go to this thing but the ticket prices were so expensive that they no, literally that's... couldn't and i don't know if all that's true that's just what i yeah i read no, I and know. i saw I mean, and it's like i heard you, people you, talking did you about see it. the post that quadraro bought like the little girls that were trying to sell bracelets oh, and stuff in the paddock all weekend bought them yep. ice cream stuff yeah yeah. I mean, that's the thing, dude. All accounts, 
say, say it's great, but it is. Yeah, by but then I, to me, it's just like the track isn't the greatest. But let's get into some results and we can look at some stuff. Uh, now, Greg, I got to be honest. You're gonna laugh at me, and I'm gonna take heat for this. Uh, but when I I was watching it live, okay. So Saturday the night, race itself. I've, I've got it live, and it's raining. Yep. And I finally got to the point where I'm like, okay, I can't keep my eyes open, and I know it's going to get rained out. So all I was looking forward to was waking up Sunday morning, mm-hmm. grabbing my coffee, right, and watching MotoGP race. I'd already watched Moto3. I'd watched Moto2. And for whatever reason, I'm really curious if anybody else had this problem. But even right now, if I go to the MotoGP website and try to watch the race, on my computer... Everything's magnified like two times. So every photo or every picture of like I can't get or I it's like everything is magnified. So you're extra close up to me right now, if you know what I mean. Okay? Oh yeah, so, easy. Okay, you ready? So you're gonna check and see if you got it sorted. But no, I I I think I, I literally sort it for you. Well, thanks. We I literally couldn't watch the race. And I tried fixing it and I was like I finally just got, you know, you know me when it comes to computers and shit. I'm you dumb. You just straight it. up dumb. There's no question, and I, I'll accept it. So when you talk <laughs> about watching this race, did you get to watch it? Yeah, yeah, I watched them all. Okay, I didn't get to watch it. So, so oh, oh. I didn't get to watch it. I, which really is frustrating. I have got the results, but I didn't get to watch it. So you're going to know a lot more about this than I do. Um, I'll go through some of the results. Is, is, is everything on your screen like? Um, like the icons on your desktop, is that all magnified twice, or is nope. it just like went to your web browser? No, it's it's nothing. I can click on Moto Two. I can click on Moto Three. I can click on every. I can click on highlights. Everything's normal, but when I click on the race itself, and I don't know what it's like now because I haven't looked. But when I click on the race itself, everything yeah, it magnifies m- like like twice. Okay, let me just. Yeah, I'll I, fix I, that I'm later. Clicking on it, I'm clicking I, on it right now just to see what it does. Okay, click and on it now and see what it this does. Is, this is good. This is this is this really is good. This is podcast listening. tech support. Yeah, this is great. Um, well, I mean, how can how can we have Jason Pridmore not watch a Moto Moto GP? No, now it's fine. Me? Okay, uh, let me see. Yeah, I think it was just a setting. Like, there's there's some. It's probably something that you hit. No, why don't we fine sit now. here? Why don't we sit so, here for forty six minutes and wait for you to watch the race? Yeah, no, why don't kidding. we just chill? I'll watch the race. <laughs> and no, then, yeah. let, let let me let me tell you about the race, Jay. Um, so, you know, Miguel Oliveira is gridded on the third row. He gets an awesome start. He worked his way right up to second quickly. Yeah. And um, I, oh boy, who was in, in the highlights? I saw him make like a big move, like right off the bat, like through turns. Like you say, that little right, left switch back. And, and, you know, I'm not going to say I saw it coming. I did put him on the fantasy team this week. because I just felt like Oliveira is like ready. No, um, he, yeah, he definitely had a bounce back weekend in the dry as well. And I put him on my fantasy team too. And so, yeah, but it doesn't matter, dude. I had freaking both Hondas as gold and I had Miguel as silver. So it was like, ah. oh, dude, I scored like 30 points. It was absolutely horrendous. I know. I can't believe I beat you guys, but let's go. We got Oliveira. Then we got Quattararo, who I think great result for him ending up second. Uh, Zarco. What about Zarco finishing third? That's impressive. Miller finishes fourth. Guy that we know is good in the rain. Rins. Gets up fifth with Mir sixth. For Mir, this could be the weekend, Greg, that I look at if he is anywhere in the championship hunt towards the end of the year. Because if you watched him in practice, man, he was on the struggle bus. I think he qualified 18th, didn't he? 18th. He was was so far. We've never seen that out of him. 
So he was having some big issues um, going into this. And how about Renz's bike catching fire? Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Why did? Well, I mean, look, it's easy to Monday quarterback it, but when I see it on fire. I'm like, turn right, put it in the gravel, just go crash it in the gravel. And he's like, just riding along and just ghost rides it. And the gravel's right to his right. If he pulls off in the gravel and just dumps the thing. Anyways. Yeah, um, that's true. But for Suzuki, for them to get fifth and sixth out of the weekend, I thought was a huge bonus for them. Morbidelli uh, gets seventh after qualifying well and getting a three-grid um, uh, penalty for uh, the practice start violations that he had. Brad Binder, Aleish was ninth. And how about Darren Binder? You know what's great about the Darren Binder story? How about his brother finished half a second ahead of him? When you just, you know, I mean, that's, that is impressive. You got to admit, Darren Binder finishing 10th in his second MotoGP race in those kind of conditions. I mean, what do you think of that? I mean, 10th is pretty stellar. Well, it's, it's, it's even better than that. So let, let, let me go over the race a little bit for you. So Miguel do Oliveira it, gets basically, Miguel Oliveira makes the move. I can't remember who it was. Jack Miller. He gets in the lead and yeah. he just, set the pace and he was as far as 3.4 seconds ahead of everyone meanwhile jay jack miller's kind of holding firm quadraro drifts back to five zarco's kind of nowhere and then we just start to see this shifting of people quadraro's p2 wasn't a solid p2 he was in like five four for most of the race oh wow and he dug he dug deep and he was ripping at the end ripping now, to Miguel Oliveira's credit, I think the last lap or two, he was just milking the thing home. Like, it wasn't that big of a deal. But Quadraro and Zarco were actually really close there at the end. Miller was on the fading, on the fade bus, but Rins and Mir were there. Was there, there some sort of contact between Miller and Quadraro? Because I saw that Miller complained, and yes. Quadraro just basically came back and said, dude, like live with it. There's nothing that happened here. I have yeah, to yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a love tap. I mean, it wasn't like a deciding tap, I don't think. Yeah, that maybe it was that pushed Miller back, but it didn't stand out in the race. Let's put it that way. Okay, you know what I'm okay. saying? Like on, on the all right. So let's get let's get though. So great for Morbidelli, but let's get to the battle, Jason. If you look at it, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. So you have Binder, Alicia Spargaro, Darren Binder, Bastianini, and then Polo Spargaro was in the mix too. Okay, yeah, now, Paul yeah, faded. Yeah. He faded into the clutches of Alex, but really it was that group. Okay, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th that were all mixed up together. And Darren Binder actually had reeled everyone in and passed everybody, including his wow. brother. And wow. his brother, Brad, got filthy on him and, and freaking whacked him and pushed him out wide. It was no really way. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a little bit of a love tap, oh, and gosh. Binder had to stand it up or whatever. But Binder could have easily finished 8th in that race. I mean, easily. You know, Amazing. his deficit honestly was was really the power. You know, like like it was the same thing as it is in the dry. But Darren Bender rode way better than tenth place. Like he he rode, you know, he should have been up there with Alex Rins and Juan Mir. The problem was, dude has no practice, dude. That's that's like he has got he had no practice. They didn't have a wet session for MotoGP. So and because the race was delayed for that two hours before they went because of the torrential downpours, they were like, sorry guys, you're going racing. So like no one had real settings or anything else in you know in race conditions for that, and uh, I mean really great job for Darren Binder. And if you watched his post race interviews, forget it, dude. He was so happy. He was almost almost as happy as Fabio Quattararo. I mean Quattararo sucks in the rain. He's absolutely yeah. sucked. The Yamaha sucked in the rain, and he's he's come out and said Quattararo P two goes that that was a win for us. Are you kidding me? Like 
I, he was more happy than than Miguel Oliveira was. It Crazy. was it was incredible to see. Zarco was yeah. pretty stoic after the race. Like, ah, listen, we had an opportunity, we blew it. Zarco basically said, I it took me too long to get the feel for the bike. Because Miller, like, dude, Miller just goes like, I got you. And boom, and he set the pace. And Miguel Oliveira gets right up there and he goes, No, okay, I guess we're going this pace right now. And then after two or three laps, he kind of saw, oh, okay, I actually I get it. I have this much grip. Obviously, the electronics are good. And then put a nice little pass on on Miller. And then that was the end of that. So it was uh, it was an entertaining race. It showed us a lot in terms of, I mean, dude, KTM, holy, you know, <laughs> wet weather setup on the suspension side, but more on the electronic side. I mean, Miguel Oliveira was, was absolutely shredding that racetrack. It didn't matter. And those damn Michelins look they like they have grip for days in the wet. Yep. No. It, so it looked good. I mean, I what I saw, I saw the highlights. I did look at the highlights. And what you're saying right now, I'm looking at Brad Bender all the way. I mean, hey, who's Brad, Brad Bender. Bender's teammate, by the way? Who's Bender's teammate? Come on, come on. Who's Bender's teammate? Brad Which, Bender's who? Or, who not Brad about? Bender. Uh, Darren Bender's teammate. Who's Dovey. Darren Bender's teammate? Dovey. Yeah. He didn't yeah. finish though, right? I saw even, he pulled most, off. Was no, he, he didn't in, finish, dude. Most people aren't even they don't even remember that right now. You know what I mean? Like I feel so bad for he that Yamaha in team and Dovey. Yeah, but he's not dude, finished. There's no chance. Year. I don't think he no. is. Uh, but Man. but I'm looking at like from Brad Bender, he was thirty two point four back, and you go just back to uh Bagnayan fifteenth, thirty five point seven. So it was only three seconds. So that that's a big group of guys coming Bagnaya, across the line Bagnaya together. Bagnaya had a good to pace, 15th. Jay. Yeah, yeah. Bagnaya had a good pace, but he ran off. He had an incident where he, he ran off and oh, had to really did. slow down. But he he was kind of, you know, like fifth, sixth, fourth kind of pace if he hadn't run off. I hate that there's not more that we can really talk about on this weekend. But but it was a weird weekend because it was like on Friday it was like wet but drying, and Saturday they had like a uh, so Saturday for FP three it was wet and then. They, they only got really one good solid dry session. That was FP2. And then FP3 was wet. So nobody could really improve on their times from the day before to get themselves into the deal. I thought qualifying was super interesting because uh, when you start to look at um, the FP4 session or the qualifying session, qualifying uh, one for guys to get through, you know, you got Mark Marquez in Q1. And I think that for the majority of us, we're like, all right, that's a given. He's going to get in. There's no question. He's getting in. It's going to be simple. And as with everything else, it's never really that simple. And, you know, Bagnaya is in that session. Juan Mir was in that session. I mean, you got all these guys that are in that first session. And you're trying to pick, okay, well, it's going to come down between Marquez, Bagnaya, and Mir. And you go, wait a minute, Marquez can't even get close. And he crashed two bikes within six minutes of each other, both losing the front. Those were his second and third accidents of the weekend. Keep in mind, he crashed in the first session of the weekend. Then he crashed in Q1 twice within six minutes, both same kind of accidents. And Greg, not only did he, was he crashing, but he he was still half a second off of, of uh, getting into the session as far as what Bagnaya had done. Um you look at second, third, fourth, fifth. They all did 31.6s. So Bagnaya got through Q1 with DiGiantonio, who's a shocker to me. He gets through, rookie, uh, which I think is a, I think that's a major accomplishment for that team and for him. Marini, Bedzecki, and then Mark Marquez. Paul Espargaro was off. He couldn't get through. Um, Juan Mir was off. He couldn't get through. Alex Marquez. I mean, we're talking some big names there that couldn't get through to Q1. 
or Q2. And then Marquez, not only could he not get through, now he goes out for FP4 Sunday morning. And I was watching that session pretty intently. And, you know, let's talk about that accident again. Off throttle high side. I think the Honda this year is better by all accounts. Everybody's saying that the Honda is better. But if you look at the Honda and the Suzuki's on the weekend, they were really nowhere to be seen. Rins could throw a lap here or there. Mir couldn't get close. Mir's crashing too, by the way, which you hardly ever see. Those two bikes, obviously we're not working with the combination of the new track, new tire for that track, as well as the other bikes. For Suzuki, they come out of it amazing. The fact that it rained couldn't have been better for the Suzukis. They, I think they come out with a, a huge sigh of relief that they got the points that they did out of there. Um, and for Marquez, now it's a question mark, isn't it? Like, is he going to be able to to write to line up at uh, Tex in uh, Argentina? No, in two, no, in no, two weeks no. time. You know, no. don't they go? Do they no, do I, Argentina? I mean, do they do Argentina and then um, they Coda go Argentina Coda back to back? Right. Correct. So he's got a so, couple of weeks, but well, that, that obviously, you know, I, what I hope, what I hope is that they don't try to rush Marquez back because he's he's the you know the the king of freaking Coda, right? Like, you know, to just to get him a win, like I could that, see him riding at Coda. I could see him in three weeks. If you got problems with your eyes and stuff, though, you can't be riding a MotoGP bike. And if you watch them stagger away from that accident, it wasn't good. No, and like you say, Greg, this too. problem can, that he had, it's not going to just get better. No, and it's another concussion for him, and it's Big it's, it's pretty sad. So, we'll we'll take a wait and see attitude for him, Jay. But let's move on to uh, to Moto Two because, yep. oh, I mean, just Moto Two was a boring ass race, but it was a warm your heart race if there ever was one. Well, yeah, it was great. I mean, the Moto Two race, I watched it, and when you sit there and you say it, it was you know kind of a warm your heart heart type of race. There was a lot of good. There was a lot of good things that you know that come out of it. Um, when you see that Chantra wins, if you watched him in qualifying, man, he was loose. I was like, man, there's no way this guy's gonna make it. Really? But he ends up coming up on top. First time ever a tie rider has ever been on the podium of a Grand Prix, I think, and let alone win it. I mean, I know for sure win a Grand Prix because they were talking about how it's the first time they've heard that national anthem. Um, Vietti ends up second, the Qatar winner. Kinet third, who ended up second at basically second, third, and fourth with a podium from 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 Doha. But Chantra ended up winning this race. Fifth ends up being Augusta Fernandez with your boy Agura sixth. Uh, this dude, this Fermin Aldegar, that kid's not getting enough play. Like you realize, he's a teenager still. This is his first full season. He is going to be. He's, and he's on be a, a Bosco Coro. You know what I mean? He's, he's on a he's unreal, on a real dude. The, the, the top six in front of him were all on Calexes. And then if yep. you go, he was seventh, right? You go eighth down to <laughs> 16th, all on Calexes. Dude, it's incredible. The kid's the real deal. Arbolino, Acosta, ends up ninth after. Oh, do we have to go through this? I, he gets a penalty. He gets a penalty on Friday for crashing in a corner where there are already yellow flags. Now, if you look at his crash, again, it's very pedestrian. It doesn't even look like he's pushing. I get that you're not... I, I, okay. Nobody will... I don't even know where to start. This How is are Jason you penalizing Primor guys? struggling with the words to not get canceled. <laughs> How do you penalize guys for crash? Like, do you think guys want to crash? Do you think I, that... 
I don't understand it. And did you see how many, Greg, I don't know if you watched it. I know you didn't watch it. Everybody was crashing in that turn, turn two, everybody. There were so many accidents in turn two. And they were saying that there's like, there was some water still coming up or there was a patch there that was still coming up that some of the guys felt like was getting hit. Now, Kinnett had crashed and they were removing his bike and Costa comes through 25, 30 seconds later. And it didn't look like it was the kind of accident that you have when you're pushing as hard as you can. Um, and he crashes. So they dock him three. They do, they give him a long lap penalty for the race. I don't get it. This is the most stupid shit that I can handle with this whole race direction crap. And again, I will go back. If there's a yellow flag on the second lap of the race going through turn two, do you think all those guys are slowing down going, hey, everybody, it's a yellow flag. Let's slow down. It's So Acosta gets a, a, a penalty in the race. He ends up, what did I say he ended up, Greg, ninth? Uh, he comes through and gets Arenas. And then did you see uh, Joe Roberts ends up 11th? He just got by Cameron, I think, on the last lap. If you watch it, it's close. Those guys came across the line together. So we had Americans yeah, 11th Yeah, it was like 18.5 between the two of them, like 18.5 yeah. seconds adrift. The, the, the yeah, they were behind. Yeah, like were... 56 thousandths of a second. There was nothing. Like so, you know, it was, I would have loved to have seen those guys both in the top 10. You could see Cam kind of there, and he had a – he had a pretty big accident. Well, you know what's Greg? I watched his crash, and it didn't look like anything, but he got up limping pretty bad from his accident on Saturday. Uh, Navarro ends up 13th, 14th is um, Alcoba, and then Ben Snyder ends up 15th. I think I think um, SDK had a bike problem. Uh, I, I saw a photo of him, and it looked like linkage or something maybe broke. Don't really know. Um, but... Like a Chantra, chain link or like the linkage? Shock linkage, on, the, yeah, linkage for the... Uh, uh, shift linkage. Oh, the shift yeah, linkage. Shift, oh, okay. shift linkage looked like it broke. So Chantra wins, and he didn't do the first round because I guess he'd had surgery on his he had a he had a wrist or a pinky problem on his finger. One person said wrist, one said pinky finger, I thought. So um but you know, I I I kind of went back and forth with you know, I'm going back and forth a little bit with Alex Lowe's during the race. Like, hey, are you watching Sam? You know? And dude, I don't know, man. Like Watching that race back, or watching the first two races, I know Sam's not been in the best of health going into Doha. He's definitely better now, but he's thinking differently. If you watch that race, it's like I almost felt like he's going, I'm going to take these fourth place points and keep going. I mean, it's a big, long season. And it's kind of an attitude that we have never seen out of Sam. And I, I felt really solid about what he did there. I didn't think Jake Dixon would finish the race, and he didn't. Sadly, I thought Jake Dixon putting that thing on pole was amazing. It was great, but um, he ended up not finishing the race. So right now you got the championship is Viete, Canet, uh, who I think is going to be riding real smart for the whole year too, and Lowe's. Those are your top three for the weekend, uh, or for the points. What was what was your takeaway from this? Did you have any big takeaways I mean, other than Shanta just dominating? That, that was kind of the biggest thing, and that's why I say it's feel-good because there's just so many stories attached to it. I mean, the guy's top finish in MotoGP has been fifth. You're fifth to a win, and he did it in such great fashion. I mean, he had, he had a really good race. There wasn't the last lap, and he didn't say it in his post-race. The guy was so, like, bouncing off the rev limiter in the post-race press conference there with Simon that he didn't really, you know, talk about the race itself. But Correct. if you noticed on the last lap... He had a moment there about four corners to the end where his foot came off the peg. And I don't know if he was waving or it look, didn't look like it. Yeah. But uh, I thought I it was great that. because, 
Yeah, Jay, you know, you've been around racing a long time. You've had to you've had to get your first win out of the way before, just like everyone else who's won a race. And, you know, there are people out there that have been in this position that haven't finished the race because they just overthink it or whatever. And so I just think it was great. My chance the question now is what did his team figure out? Is it this just a one-off race thing for him? Is he going to go back to that fifth through 15th kind of position where he's been in the past? Or is this now a guy who's emerged on the scene and could mess, mess up the whole idea of Vietti, Kinnett, and Lowe's in this championship? And I'm going to throw Ayogura in there too. I can't wait to see what happens in Argentina. I just hope that we get a, a couple of races that we're in the drive for the whole race weekend so we can start to see the potential of who's really a front runner in Moto2, who's really a front runner in MotoGP, because yeah. that's really what solidifies it for us is being able to see who actually got the development. Is Suzuki working on a problem in MotoGP, for instance, to fix you know their extra power, right? And so now it's like, okay, is, is Chantra, is it, was it an emotional thing? Is it something that... There were indeed a lot of fans from Thailand, you know, in Indonesia. I mean, it's not close, but it's not too far away either. You know, it's not the same country, but it's like, was there some extra motivation there or did the dude just love the racetrack? Yeah. And did they find the setting? And But the thing we know about Chantra now that we haven't known to this date is the guy's got podium pace. Yeah. You know? Well, what, what, you know, Greg, what was that? What was the fight video? What was the, when we were kids and you go to the casino, what was the really famous fighting video game he looked like some, he looks like somebody from those vi- from the video game i can't remember what oh it's like um um you know what i'm talking about i love his look yeah. i love the fact he did so well i think he's gonna be there he was there in the drive for this weekend when, when you talk about Ayagura, i i think that the big thing i'm gonna have an interesting look at now is i think that Ayagura was kind of considered the a writer on the team and kind of the guy that everybody <laughs> thinks is going to replace Nakagami and MotoGP and then all of a sudden his teammate comes along and wins a race and you know a lot of people are going to kind of go well it was a wet weather race and it was this and that yeah but the thing is he still got it done um yeah Yeah, there were some sprinkles I mean that's that's the other thing Jay there were some sprinkles start so there were some guys that took some chances that others didn't so um and and you know talking to Sam he's like you know he's like We'd missed a little bit on a setting and I had a couple little bit of warnings and then I saw that some sprinkles on my windshield and He's like, I just thought to myself, you know what? There's nobody behind me. Um, it's the second race of the year, and I'm gonna. I'm still recovering points. from injury, probably. Right? Correct. It's, there's like, 20, hey, let's, two races. We gotta, yeah. Let's not give these guys more points, like by trying to chase them and beat them. Sam's day is gonna come. Kanet's day is gonna come. Uh, Viette is gonna win more races. We haven't seen Acosta up front yet this year. We will. Fernandez will be uh, another guy that will be up front this year as well. Um, when we go a little bit further back, Greg, I, you know, and you, we know Agura has been up front. What, what's your overall take on the American boys? Like, you know, they're back there in 11th and 12th. Um, it, for the most part, when you watch that race, uh, they were on the back of, you know, they were basically on that battle. Cam was on the back of that battle there from about, um, well, eighth back, let's just say. Um, it was, it yeah. He was eighth for, he was eighth for but a few he was, laps. He was even right there going into the last lap. It'd be interesting to get his take because Joe looked like he was a second or so behind Cam going into the last lap, and he was able to pass him. So I don't know if Cam maybe made a, an effort to get by Arenas or even Acosta uh, on the last lap there. Um or maybe there's a problem on the, you know, the problem, prep, whatever, prep, crept but, up late in the race that, yeah. 
and I'm happy to see both the guys get points. That's that's you know happy to see them both get points. Um, but we we're I think at this point we're expecting more. I mean we Joe, know Joe Roberts can be a pole position. You know he's he got has podium been. pace. Yep. Like yep. It, it, there's something going on with either him or the team or both that's just not gelling right now. And he's you know Joe said in social media that he's got more in him. The Bobier thing. I'm going to still hold out for a couple more races as they get into some more familiar territory in terms of what we do know is that Qatar is like Daytona. It's a unique racetrack. It's all that kind of stuff. And then you go to this mixed bag of race weekend and Cameron crashes and some things happen. So now I'm kind of saying, okay, let's settle in. We know that Cam's fast at, at Coda for one reason or another, even though he doesn't like it. So we're only a couple of weeks away from seeing that. Never been so to I'm Argentina, gonna, I'm just though. Gonna pause. They never raced... So Argentina is going to be a new track for Cam. All right. So that is a good test then to see if he has made a step over last year, because obviously they went to all, you know, I mean, they didn't go to this track last year, but they tested, I think, didn't they? Or Correct. no, Moto2 didn't get, Moto2 got the test. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I don't think Moto2 did go there. Just MotoGP. Right. Yeah. So that's the, so. that's the test. Okay. As we go to these new racetracks, how is his baseline setting? How is his understanding of the bike and the tires and how you have to ride it and all those types of things? I mean, Cameron Bobier is way better of a, a talented of a racer than 18.5 seconds back from Chantra, you know, Vietti and, and the likes. I mean, or, or if you look at Vietti, Kinnett and Lowe's and you look in that mix, you're like, all right, he's 15 seconds back. He's way better than that. So he's still got time to, to prove his potential. You know, Jason, as well as I do, especially with the 22 race series, it's going to be those last 10 races that are really going to make the difference in terms of the steps. So, yeah. Yep. It's okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pumped for them. You know, I'm not pumped that Cameron's making, you know, Q2 right away and all that kind of stuff at the back. I'd be much, I'll be much happier and more excited for him when he's consistently in that top five positions. And he knows I that he's got Aaron I want to see him speed. make that up. And yeah, I want to yeah. see that. He knows I mean, he's, he's got, got Aaron Kinnett speed. He knows he's got Iogura speed. He's there. He should be there. Well, he's got points in both Grand Prix, just a little bit further back than he'd like. Right now, Viette's leading with 45 over... Kinnett with 36, Lowe's with 29, Chantra's 25. So even though Chantra only missed that, that um, you know, he missed that first round, 25 points, he's, he finds himself 20 back. So he's right there. Augusto Fernandez, Ayagura, Arbolino, Joe uh, is eighth. Roberts is eighth. Navarro and Acosta round out your top 10. Now Moto3, G-Dub was a runaway by the guy that I think everybody's kind of expecting to win the championship this year. Um, and it really wasn't even close. Dennis Foggia just takes off and wins. It says 2.6 seconds, but it wasn't even 2.6. It was like, it was so dominant. Um, Guevara, uh, uh, Carlos Tetai, Garcia ends up fourth, Anchu fifth, uh, Artigas, Masia, Bartolini, um, Daniel Hogado, and Suzuki ends up 10th. I think that when you look back and you see, <clears throat> you kind of watch this race over, uh, Fajia just looked like once he got to the front, it was easy for him. The battle really was that battle for second. There was six, seven bikes all in there all the time from Guevara back to Suzuki. These guys were just hammering on each other. Toba was in there for a while. Uh, he made some mistakes. But Dennis Fajio right now looks like the guy to beat in this championship. I think he's kind of everybody's favorite. We don't get to see too many times where these guys run away from each other. But this race, he definitely proved kind of like what I think everybody's expecting. Um, and he leads the points right now. I think Garcia, I think Garcia is going to give him a challenge all the way through. Fagio, Garcia, Guevara, Mino, and Anchu are your top five in Moto3 right now. 
I, you know what I don't know is what, what CF Moto is. That's the bike that they're, that, uh, Tata is riding on and Artigas. And I don't okay. know much about that motorcycle. So you have Hondas, you have Gas Gas, which of course is KTM, Husqvarna, you know what I mean? That type of thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and third place is CF Moto. I, you know, I'm, and I'm sorry, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to do some research on that because I'm like, wait a second, who is this company <laughs> and how are they producing such a good motorcycle that right. fills the top, you know, two of the top six spots. And I think those are the only riders. Yeah. Those are the only riders in the field on those bikes. So that's another thing to look at as well as we move forward is, you know, all right. So Carlos Tatai, is he, is he a serious contender in this one? It was just a good racetrack for that bike because of, you know, the characteristics, the layout, whatever. But I agree with you. I think Faji is definitely in the catbird seat. He looks good. He's cleaned up some stuff from last year. What I don't hope is that this is going to be the case that he's going to be checking out. And because normally when we see Moto3 races, they're pretty gnarly. But again, Jay, this might be that situation where his, he and his team, his baseline setting, they just got more comfortable quicker with the amount of dry time that they had available and just got it right because it's a track that we went to for the first time where we now we're going to head back into some tracks where at least we have some data we've been to before. This whole first bit of the season has been a little bit of a shoulder shrug. It's when we're going to get into the next, I would say, maybe four or five races, things will start to shake themselves out. A lot of these guys, a lot of these riders and teams and and team personnel talk about like when we get back to Europe, that's when our season really starts. And I think to myself, well, that's not good because you got four flyaways to start your yeah. year. It's like you're just going to give up four races. But um, when you look at a team like the Leopard team who are used to winning championships and they've got a seasoned guy like Faggio who really gave a cost to everything he could last year. If you remember the last half of the year, uh, that very controversial finish even at Portimao between Acosta and Faggio um, and, and that kind of thing. You look at some of that that happened. I think Fajo's just taking the bull by the horn. Um, Garcia is going to be trouble. Did you watch the guy that I think really this year has got nothing from his season is, is Sasaki because he ended up, obviously the bodywork fell off at the first one in Doha with a three-second lead. And then, I don't know if you saw, but he just absolutely cleaned out Mino at the end of this race um, on Sunday to get no points. I mean, that's... Biagi's team, I believe, the Sarah Galder team, and just got nothing out of any of it. And uh, and Mino, another guy who's going to be there for the championship, gets cleaned out. So these guys are all headed to, to Argentina. It's great. We're going to get to see these guys back-to-back. Argentina, where are we at there? We, are we home? For, I guess we're home for that one. Actually, home for the Argentina race, and then obviously we take off and go to uh, to Texas. So Yeah. I'm in um, I'm in Arizona at the time too, so I'm closer great. to your time zone there. Yes, yeah, but, yeah. So, um, and I'm and I'm just doing archery. I'm not working, so it's like the it. three hours that I shoot or whatever, and the rest of the time. So yeah, I'll be I'll be glued to the computer screen in a hotel somewhere. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to watching more MotoGP as it goes, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll let's go to Supercross then. Shall we? Let's do it. All right. So in Supercross, they were at Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium. And your boy, Eli Tomac, dude, checked out. So Tomac, Justin Barsha, Marvin Muscan, Jay Sexton in fourth, Cooper Webb, Jason Anderson sixth, Dean Wilson, and Malcolm Stewart. Ooh, Jay, I didn't see the races, so you got to tell me what happened because I saw, I was watching on the timing, but obviously, I, as you know, I was on the air as you guys yeah. constantly were texting back at my poor phone sitting know, right next to my, uh, my things just going bzz, bzz, the whole time. The whole time, time right? Giggling. Yeah, yeah, Vince Freezy uh, and Brees, Starling, Cade Clayson, 
Justin Bogle and Freddie Norin with uh, Brandon Hartramph back there in 15th spot. So what happened in this race? It's really, it's kind of a race that you can look back at and go, this is why Barsha and Anderson, you know, won't be competing for championships anytime soon. This one had nothing to do with Anderson, I'm going to be honest, but it's the same tactics. I mean, Barsha's 10 bike lengths behind as they come off a triple into a very tight right-hander that's flat. You know, it's back. It's kind of like one of those corners, Greg, where they go back across the start-finish straight. So it's a right-hander, and he's so far behind him. And again, I don't. I know contact. It gets. It happens. I get it. Contact happens in this sport, but it just seems like it's the same guys every weekend. And Barsha just legitimately cleaned Anderson out. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even a thing that's even close. And so Anderson ends up on the deck. Anderson. At the time, was leading. Barsha was second. Um, Tomac, I think, at that point was third. And it was like Anderson had a little bit of a gap. And he takes a normal... I mean, what's normal? There's no normal line. But he takes a line that you see a lot of guys taking. And Barsha just comes off the jump and straight lines it. Like, literally straight lines it to the point where Anderson and him make contact. Anderson ends up on the ground. Barsha ends up... Um, continuing like waves his hand like sorry and keeps going and you know you sit there and you watch it and you go like what is that like it's well first off you could never do it on a road race bike what they what what these guys do um it's it was the ultimate block pass of block passes and (laughs) you mean an actual block pass not just yeah 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 it's not just somebody going oh it's a block pass when it really isn't a block pass um and i think I'm I'm actually pulling up some results too, just to look at some things. But when you look back and you see exactly what he did there, and I guess you know, Greg, I guess that there were some um, uh, they they didn't take too kind to it. I I forget what he got. Was it three? Did he get three points? I think taken off of his point total. Barsha did. did? Barsha. Barsha did. Uh, I didn't didn't see the points penalty. What I do know is that he and Anderson are now tied in the championship. So if if Barsha. Did, didn't, or he did get those points, that he would be up 207. So, I mean, Tomac's gone. He's got 255 yeah. points. He's won six races of 11, so he's got more than half of them. I mean, you know, let's not have the banquet for him yet, but barring Tomac getting hurt, he and the Yamaha just seem to have worked out whatever his differences yeah, were but- with Kawasaki and what they wanted to do. And Yamaha said, dude, open slate, you can do whatever you want to this motorcycle. Great for him. But now we've got to talk about this this crap between Anderson, Barsha, and Malcolm Stewart bouncing off each other all year. Well, I don't think, you know, when you look at Malcolm, yeah, I mean, everybody kind of throws Malcolm in this thing that he's done this, like, that he's done something. I, I remember seeing Malcolm one time at the, I think, Anaheim 1, where he, where he got made contact with Anderson, right? And then he's had that paid back to him over and over and over from Anderson. Yeah, yeah. And no, I, no, I wasn't saying and, I wasn't saying that but he I, was but I the agree instigator. With you. It just yeah. seems like these three are just kind of It's but Barsha always. Barsha literally cannot well, Jason, pass somebody Jason, without yeah, cleaning him out. You I can't mean, do it. Barsha literally cannot race a race without touching somebody. Hashtag bam bam forever, right? Like it's Yeah, but it's ridiculous because you can't win a championship that way. You it's very difficult to win races that way. Like you can't show me a guy that bounces off people each weekend and is winning every weekend. It's not going to happen. And, and you know, so 
you know, Barsha doing what he did, he did. Uh, I think Marvin rode really well to finish third. The track didn't look exact, you know, very, very difficult to me. There was guys getting lapped two and three times in the race too, which I thought was interesting. And it's probably because the length of the time. Plus, you know, we're seeing with the injuries like Plessinger's out and Ferrandis is out. And, um, you know, so so you see some guys that are injured that are out. I think McElrath is out. So you get some other guys that make it into the main event that, you know, so lappers kind of become a problem. Um, but you go back to this contact stuff. I just... Those guys aren't going to win championships. And what was funny is Tomac just sat behind Barsha and sat there and sat there. And when he made the pass, it was like very defiant. And, and you know, because you know Barsha's going to want to tee you up at the next corner. And 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 Tomac was able to get away, thank goodness. Um, and yeah, but I don't even know. What's, what's his lead, G-Dub? His lead's pretty big, isn't it? Now he's got it's 55 50 to o, He's got 55 to 07. I mean, it's huge. Yeah. 40. So... There's nobody that's going to really... Yeah, 207. No. Yeah, I, I clicked the, off the already, Anderson, but... The Anderson thing is, is is you if you look at just how many times you're picking yourself up off the dirt in a Supercross race for the season, right? So how many have they got? Like 10 races in, 11 races in? 11. How many times has Anderson been on the ground in, in those 11 races? And how many times has Tomac been on the ground in those 11 races? And you sit there and you go, well, there's the reason why. You know, Tomac's got this championship pretty much summed up um and yeah and and so the other great part of this whole story on the night which i think is really funny is that um alex ray and i think is it devin raper is that his name we all remember his last name they they end up getting into a scrum they actually get into a little fisticuffs which i loved because nice raper actually looked like he cleaned out ray from the video that i saw the problem was is that when Ray was getting back up, because the flagging is so shit in Supercross, has been since like 1942, um, he ends up absolutely getting crushed by a third bike that comes in. He's literally looking back down the track, standing in the middle. He's standing there. Yellow flags are out. This guy comes along and literally like drives his front fender right between Alex Ray's legs and like cleans him out. Like I thought... I'm like, holy shit. Well, the next thing you know is you see Raper and Alex Ray fighting. But there wasn't even really a fight. Like, they were just kind of shoving each other. And then they disqualify those guys from racing for the rest of the night. And then, then they promote it on their social media channels. Like, oh, look at these two guys fighting. But then you disqualify. Different departments, Jason, uh, disconnected. And I just sit there like, this is what's wrong. Like, what what the hell is going on? Like... So those guys shoved each other. Who gives a shit? They got helmets and crap on. Have they ever been to a hockey game in their lives? It's like <laughs> they didn't. They didn't let them line up. G Dub. They didn't let them line up for the LCQ because That's they ridiculous. shoved each other. It, that that was like, ridiculous. Come on. And then they promote it. Like, hey, well, like look at like Supercross is a gentleman's sport. Like, you know oh. what I mean? You have guys in in the f- bouncing off of each other t- just to go through a corner. Like, you I know, don't even know. You guys hit each other know. in midair, but uh, get off the bike emotionally the charged. Decision? Where did the decisions Teenagers, get made? 20, early twenties people in race direction. You? Yeah, where, know, did, where, where, who makes these decisions? Like, the, if nothing else, you want those guys lined up back on the line. Everybody wants to see what's going to happen. Who's going to beat who? What's going to happen here? Why would you disqualify them for the night and then you promote the fact that they're fighting? You're idiots. Like, I don't moronic, know. I wouldn't right? be doing it if I was in race control. But you know what, Jason? I've also never done the job, so I'm not the qualified person to comment yeah, on it. Well, but I agree yeah. with you. From You're, an entertainment perspective, it makes 0.0 sense to disqualify those guys. 
having rivalries. I mean, if it was the 80s, there'd be nobody lined up on the grid because everybody was fighting back then. And it was like, you know, when you've got a helmet and stuff on and you're protected and you're shoving me, I'm not that worried about it. You know what I mean? I'm not worried at all. Like, what, like what is going on It's like right getting now? a fight in full leathers. or It's like people when they fight in football. It's like, dude, it, you literally have dressed for a fight. Okay. Don't you love it Just when football players take you, off their helmets when they're in a fight? Like, why are you taking your helmet? Dude, Leave your helmet on, dog. Why? Why? The only time yeah. you take your helmet off is to swing it at somebody, and that yeah. will get you ejected from the league. You know, no, that's it, it's, that's a it's, deadly weapon. So don't do that. It's okay if it's on your head, but if you take it off and swing it. it. It's a problem. I I don't get it. Anyway, so the fact is, is that they they end up they end up disqualifying those guys. And the reason I bring it up is because I had Alex Ray. There you go. So that's okay. The, that's, All right, that's that's the real that, reason. You know what? You know what we did, Jay. We skipped over MotoGP fantasy, by the way. So uh, yeah, we got to get back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so sorry, people. We're gonna. Yeah, I know you're. All right. So let's go to MotoGP. So anyways, yeah. that's Supercross in a nutshell. Jet Lawrence dominated again. Yeah, he's, blah 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 blah. And we'll talk about good. that fantasy in a second <laughs> uh, because I don't want to talk about that fantasy. But I absolutely stunk in MotoGP fantasy. Sorry to skip over it, folks. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna blow through this real quick. So I dropped. I pull down. it up. I dropped down to 136th, but um, I don't even know how to pronounce that. Meast Racing, M-I-E-S-T Racing. I'm looking it up. Hold on. Is in the number one position at uh, with 215 total points, 107 average, so 133 the last one. Fight wow. Club at 134 in second. Woot Racing is in third overall. Let's see what uh, what Meist, Meast Racing had. I think it's Meist Racing. Quateraro, 70 points. Turbo Quart, pretty good. Turbo Quart got Rins and Gold at 20, had Suzuki at 26, Morbidelli at 11 uh, in silver, and Bastianini at five and a half in the mix. I'm thinking Fight Club is my is uh, I think I know who that is. Forza LC in fourth, Tennessee Jed. Um, All right, Jay. So let's see, what do we have? We have, I'm we love you, everybody. Thank you so much. We have 318, all wow. right? 318 in this deal. So let's see. For playing MotoGP with us, Jason Pridmore, pick a number between 1 and 318. Let's go, dude, why don't we just go 43? I don't know why I didn't pick that last week. Because you're Who's a moron. 43? 43 is... Don't be uh, Actually, we know most of the people, so. How, how do you pronounce this? I don't know. Chicharrones? Chico. Yeah, Chicharrones. 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 Whoever you are, congratulations. You just won yourself. So, yeah, Chicharrones, you just won yourself a Moto America Live Plus code that you can type that into a computer and you're going to have all the Moto America Live Plus stuff, Live Plus app, and access to it for the remainder of the season, plus all the great content that comes with it, including some stuff from the past. So, chicharrones, as opposed to chucharones, I guess. Dude, there's, uh, there's re- some... Reach out to me on the social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you can find me. Just send me multiple messages. And congratulations, you're 43rd in the pool uh, for the MotoGP podcast, and you have won yourself a nice Moto America Live Plus code. Cool? So looking at this, Andrew Lee's tenth, Kyle Wyman's twelfth. Uh, I mean, there's some people that we know here that are doing well that we need to catch. G Dub, bitch we, face in 69th. That a boy, bitch face. We just gotta stop sucking. 
Like Dude, Roger is 77th. Roger Lee yeah, is. I know this is pretty big. Yeah. Uh, yeah. JP, well, Ho- JP and Greg hold hands. 87th. That's my. That's rusty. Numbers. We got to catch him uh, just for SB Beast in 97th. Yeah. That's our boy. Um, yeah. So Dream Team, you're 102. I know. There's a few people that were doing really well last year, including myself. That stink. Uh, Chuck Axman is in P19. Where's, is he really? Yeah, he's just ahead of Mass Hall. I Wait, no, I don't got that on mine. You, oh, you say 19th? No, Chuck, 119th. 119th, yeah. Chuck Axman's 119th. Way down yeah. the list. Okay, good. I'm beating him. So how about that? So Greg and I are in this other pot, the, the other one. <laughs> We're in this other fantasy where with Uncle Skip, where you get. God. Was there 22 riders on the grid or 21 riders? 24. Oh, there should there? be 24, but with, well, yeah. I mean, MotoGP. All right. Well, regardless, year. basically, there was a blind draw. You have to have that many people in the in the actual in the actual uh, deal. So there's 20 24 people in this in this pool. That you get blind drawed and you and you so it's a draft pick. So like I was number nine draft pick. So essentially what you do by five o'clock on Friday, you have to put in nine riders that you think uh, that you would love to have. And whatever process of elimination there is, if any of those riders are available, that's who I'm gonna get stuck with. Well, the first weekend I got stuck with Anea Bastianini. Wow, how unlucky can you be? And then the second weekend here and he in, won. Uh, he won. If in case you missed last week's podcast, he won. I won that one, and then this week I get Miguel Oliveira. I was number eight pick this week. I took I got Oliveira, so I've gotten win win. So I'm not liked in that that fan. I'm doing good in fantasy this year. I'm doing good in fantasy in in RM fantasy too. So that that's kind of like well let let let's move over to RM fantasy. Now, the of course, pulp, yeah, yeah. So MotoGP, you can win yourself a nice Arai helmet, uh, Corsair X in. The Pulp MX Fantasy, you're going to win uh, the motocross helmet that Arai has. Uh, And PM140 won Indianapolis. Skip X27, never heard of that dude. He finishes second. This is just on the the actual weekend, Jason. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shenzi 105, you know, Shenzi 105. Shenzi 105 uh, ends up P3, Poly P27. Uh, In terms of our overall... PM 140 is still leading the way, JP. Yeah. Still leading the way. Yeah. All right. Only, oh, the rotten and got a, got a, has a huge points lead. It's like 100 points. Two, 2,778 to 26. Yeah. 99 point lead. Yikes it's crazy. It is. And Uncle Skip so is six. Us. He's crushing it. I, I, I drop, I, I'm in the top 20 now. I've come from a He's long, long way so back. So frustrating to be in a pool with. Who? Uncle Skip. Uncle Skip's Uncle Skip just pissing is so me off, so frustrating to be in a pool with, dude. It's brutal. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not is... even... Let me see where I am. I don't even know where I am You're right now. You're so far back. You're so... I know I'm on at least page two. Mm, oh, there I am. Least. 82nd. Oh, I climbed up the ladder. Oh, my God, dude. I'm ripping up the ladder. I'm Wisconsin Dougie's gone straight backwards, by the way. And and he's on a good number, though. He is 43rd. But he's he was up in the top five for a while. And he's gone straight backwards. So... Um, if you go, if you go to uh, Indianapolis and you look at forty third, who do you see in there? Do you know how to do that, or are you dumb? Do what now? Oh, I'm not. What are you talking? I thought about? I was forty third. If you go to Indianapolis, I thought I was forty third uh, uh, overall last weekend, but I'm not. I'm forty second. Well, 
Anyways. Bad boy good. Leroy Brown in 43rd. Just ahead of your boy Kevlar was 44th last week. Anyway. Kev. Yeah. He don't it's care. Time to wrap he's up down this in Costa podcast, Rica. Jason he's, he's, he's down there in Costa Rica with his legs up watching, you know, sitting on the beach somewhere. So mm-hmm. good for him. Okay. Um, so you can join us. There's there's links in the description of the podcast. Yeah, we're join doing us. this next week. Next Tuesday, GP. it'll be good. Wait, right not a lot to talk about. We'll, we'll talk about some No, we're going to talk about... Yeah, so we'll talk CVMA, we'll talk Seattle Supercross, and we will talk American Flat some, Track. Some flat which track happened over the weekend. Yeah, flat track. Yeah, heard of it? Yeah, I watched the one from Daytona. I actually got myself to try to sit through it the other night, the other day. I, <laughs> dude, I hate it because I I wish that JD and Dallas were back in Moto America paddock. I know you do. Oh, I can't wait till Mies retires me. and we get him over to road racing. I think it'd be pretty good. Yeah, no, he's, for sure. I think, got it. I just it's it's uh. Yeah, I anyways, you know who wants. I yeah, you know who wants to come road racing. You know who really wants to come road racing. Sammy Albert. Does he? And he's 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 got a he, bike that he's, he, tra- he trains with. It. Yeah. He wasn't at Volusia, was he? Is he is he still recovering from his big accident? He is semi retired. He's he's recovering, but he's really he's done with flat track full time. I think you know if you think about it, Sammy's brother passed away racing, and then he had that. that huge crash at the okay. end of last season at Charlotte and. He had said in an interview that's going to air on the show this, uh, the AFT show this week, or whenever it's on, that um, you know his family thought he died, dude. I mean, he got knocked. He was flying through the air so big, it was got so knocked bad, unconscious dude. and wasn't moving. So, but he uh, he he's definitely trying to find a way into the road race paddock, you know, in the twins possibly or whatever. And I think Sammy, he has he's got an affinity for it, and he's done plenty of um, like track day stuff. I think he's got a Suzuki. 600 or something like that but who knows dude i just i can't i i i have such respect for those guys but did you get they're running into literally they were running into a wall at volusia yeah they're running into the wall and i'm like how is this even real like i can't i just can't get into it and i i I actually i text raj last night i text raj and i said raj what's your impression of dirt track right now as it sits because obviously the hayden's being who they are and what they are and you should see the response i got from raj like i mean greg it was this it, greg it was this long text message it was like it was huge it was and raj went through this whole breakdown of things of what he feels it was really an interesting read so i'll talk to and they about know that. i mean tommy hayden's the manager for the essenson team and the essence team is based in owensboro about i don't know two three miles down the street from earl's house you know, and let's be fair, house. it's like there are guys being able to make a living in dirt track, which is great. I mean, Raj even states that even even in the singles class, there's guys that are getting salaried to ride. So that much I love. I appreciate it. But it's just like the, it's always something. Raj told me this week at the – where did they go this week? Were they in Dallas? You said they are in Texas. Dallas, at Texas Motor Speedway. And he was explaining to me. He's like, Jay, he goes, he goes the problem is, is like it's a – you know, you're – you have a 10 lap race or 10 minute race. And then you've got an hour to the next while they're track prepping because the track is so shit. And yeah, you know, I guess at Volusia, the lights went out and this and that. So anyways, um, but what, we'll talk some dirt track next week. Talk about the first two rounds. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, everybody, you can't wait to hear that. Can you? After I'm that horrible person. send off from yeah, I'm, I'm negative I'm Nancy. Sorry. Sorry. sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm not being Debbie negative. Downer. I'm being realistic. Is there anything I'm saying that's really wrong? 
No, you're you're not. But we'll we'll get into it a little bit more because you know we we we're just fans of, of dirt track and we know too many people that race in the series and we want dirt track to be successful. We're neither yeah, one of us are of the mindset it's... that one person likes one sport and it's competition. Like oh, if you watch flat track, you don't watch road racing. I mean, there are plenty of people that watch Supercross that would never watch road racing, never watch. You know, correct. Um, I like to see all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. And and so that's you know, it's not that bit. It's we want to see all motorsports successful because it helps us all in the long run. Yeah, oh, that's exactly right. Well, all right. Look, have a great week. Have a great weekend. I will. Uh, you know, obviously, we'll be staying in touch. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. And uh, whatever you do this weekend, enjoy it because after this weekend, your your weekends are going to be full of racing each week. So uh, enjoy it. Talk to you. <laughs>